If you would, please turn your Bible to his word, Genesis chapter 1. Genesis chapter 1, we'll be looking at verses 14 through 19. We're looking at the God's glory in creation. Particularly, his order is on display in this passage. Genesis chapter 1, verse 14. Then God said, let there be light in the expanse of the heavens to separate the day from the night and let them be for signs and for seasons and for days and years and let them be for lights in the expanse of the heavens to give light on the earth. And it was so. God made the two great lights, the greater light to govern the day and the lesser light to govern the night. He made the stars also. God placed them in the expanse of the heavens to give light on the earth and to govern the day and the night and to separate the light from the darkness. And God saw that it was good and there was evening and there was morning, a fourth day. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Father, again, bless the reading of your word as it goes out. May we be changed as a result, softened, have a different perspective, a richer perspective of you as we've been here today. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Oh, God, uh, Paul has told us, he's reminded us in Romans chapter 1, I, I allude to this, that, that God's invisible attributes are seen through what he has made. Romans chapter 1, Paul tells us that. Through his creation, we can see his attributes, his invisible attributes, because he is an invisible God. In this particular passage, there's a lot of attributes that we can we can deal we can uh, go through. His etern his eternality that he is outside of time, his power, his wisdom, his immensity. We'll touch on some of these. His omnipresence that he is everywhere present. His goodness. But the glaring things that seem to, to come out of this passage is his order, that God is a God of order. And it is instilling order into his creation. Now, order is not one of those things that you see uh, a lot in the theology books. It doesn't, it's not that prominent. But it is no less an, um, an attribute of God. We see it throughout Scripture. The weight of Scripture says that he is an orderly God. Order means just that he arranges everything, um, all the factors that can be controlled or under his control for a particular goal. And, and then we do the same thing. We, we try to arrange things in a, to, to make it a certain outcome. And so we, we set in order. We order things. We put these things in order. And you can see that at a wedding. There's order to a wedding, right? Because there's a certain goal at the end. Uh, or, or our uh, our worship service. We've put, we've changed the uh, bulletin inside the bulletin so that you can see the flow of worship there. We come and we confess our sins before we worship. We worship and then we respond to that worship and there's a, a little bit of an order there that you see. There's order seen in, in sporting events. There's a certain 
uh, start time, that every, everything starts, it's time that there's, there's regulations and there's rules that have to, have to govern that particular sporting event. And then there's a finish. And God's order is perfect. Because it stems from God's wisdom. And He has all wisdom. He knows the beginning from the end. And He's, he's going to, to move things to His logical conclusion and to His particular goal. Now, we have problems with that. We can't really do that. Um, in fact, it's hard for us to even think outside of our own little world because of a couple of factors. Number one is sin. Right? Sin affects us. Sin affects our wisdom. It affects our logic from the wisdom to the application of that wisdom. It, sin makes us stupid. It, it just does. And sin brings um, chaos and confusion. It's always, there's always drama. It breeds drama. Sin does that. Number two, number two is, is Satan himself. Uh, through his pride, he is a producer of disorder and confusion. He, he loves to sow doubts. He loves to lie. That's what he does. He is the father of lies. And, and as a result of that, his, his very nature of lying and deceiving, we see disorder and confusion. And he has come to kill, steal, and destroy. That's his goal. And that's what he does. And he does it well. So those two factors, that messes up, us up. It, and, and it causes us to be disorderly. It causes us to be off track because of sin and sometimes the seed of Satan. But we need to understand the, the orderliness of God. God is a God of order. Solomon says that everything is, has its time, has its place in God's universe. We've seen uh, what Job, uh, when God was putting Job in his place, what did he say? He said, where were you? When I did this, when I did that, where, where this is stored and where that is stored. Can you, can you tell me? And it's, and it's, you, you read through that and you just see an orderly God. That God has got all of that under control. And then we see Romans 14, that God is not the author of confusion. That's Satan's job. He does that and he does that, he does that well. In this text, we see that God is a God of order. And again, it's an, it's an attribute that's inside God that when He does things, they're going to be done in a decently, they're going to be decently and in order, be done in, in the right way. And He has built order into His, into His creation. In fact, that's what we see in this passage, is that He is building order into His, His creation. Folks, our lives need to reflect that. That attribute of God of orderliness needs to be reflected in our life. We live in a world that it is just everything is relative, right? And it's and it seems to be falling apart. There's more and more chaos in um, the world. And because of that, there's less and less orderliness in our own lives. And in fact, some people... You, you, you look at them and their life is just a reaction from one thing to the next thing to the next thing. And it's like the, the, the waves on the shore. They, they're never stable. They're never still. Unhinged emotion. They're just driven by, by emotion or, 
or distracted by drama all the time and or or they're uh, putting out fires. They just live in that urgency of the moment and that's about all they do. And there's really no faithfulness to their life day in, day out, week in, week out. There's no faithfulness. There's no real order to their life. That's not the way of, of the believer because we want to reflect God's order. Now, it's always amazed me that the God who is outside of time was the one who created time. Man needs time. We need to be able to calculate time. But God created time. It's His design. And we see that in this passage. He's the one that established the day. He established the week. We'll talk about that at some point later. He establishes the month and the years. He established, he could have gone on and established the clock as, if he wanted to. Um, and he's established everything, and everything is running in order for a certain direction. It's as though everything is running toward eternity. Everything is running toward a new heaven and a new earth. Everything is running toward uh, the redemption of man. Everything is, is progressing toward, and it's right on target for the judgment of man. A judgment day. There will be a judgment day. And God is a God of order. And we see his order in design and in wisdom. Now, last week we, we saw, or the past few weeks, the, the first day of creation we see his power. Second day of creation. Second and third day we see his goodness. And, and in fourth day we see order. He's bringing order to his, his universe. Now, the pattern here has been the same as it, as it has been the past three days in creation. It's, it's, it's pretty much the same there. It's a, a little bit different on day four because there's some unique things, uh, unique elements here. There's two parts. Now, it's kind of typical to Mosaic fashion. The way Moses writes is he will either summarize things and then later he'll give you the details or he'll give you all the details and then summarize it at the end. And that's kind of Moses. It's just the way he, he writes. Now, he gets... A little bit better as he writes a little further on. But those are just characteristics of Moses. Moses is writing. And he does that in this passage. Um, he, he gives us what God is going to do. As the, God is talking to himself. Here's what we're going to do. And then here's what he actually did. So you see both halves. Both parts of that. You see kind of the summary first. And then you see kind of the details in a in the second part of the passage. and um, But it's, it's, a, it's fairly normal, but there's some unique elements here. Unique elements on day four. In fact, there's three things that I think that are unique to day four. And I want that to be our outline. Okay? The first one is just a unique focus. Uh, a unique focus. There's a change in focus. Uh, to this point, up to this point... Uh, God's focus has been on the earth and populating and, and decorating, if you want, the earth. And now he turns, verse 14, then God said, let there be lights in the expanse. So now his attention is turned to the expanse. And that is much more space than this little tiny ball of water here. It's a vast expanse. It says, let there be light in the, in the expanse of the heavens. And that's the best translation, really. There's some, 
There's some confusing translation. I think the, NA, um, uh, the uh, King James is a little confusing on this part. But it, it talks about the, the expanse, the heavens. Now, we can't help but look at it from our scientific point of view. We, we see kind of layers of the heavens. If you want to get real technical and real uh, scientific, you have the troposphere and the, the stratosphere, the mesosphere and the uh, thromosphere. I'm not even sure if I'm saying that right. The exosphere. You have all those spheres. And, and then you get outside of that, you have the upper atmosphere, and then you have the outer space, and then you have deep space. So when we look up, we're looking through all of these things, when you, especially when you break past the, the gravitational pull of the earth that's, uh, that's, that's keeping all of these things and really kind of providing a hedge, providing some protection from the harmful rays of the sun. Now, we understand that from a scientific standpoint. Adam didn't see all that. When he thinks heaven, he just looks up and sees the blue, the vast space. First layer would be where the dirt birds fly. The second layer would be where maybe the clouds are. And the third layer would be the sun and the moon and then the stars. God is again producing worshipers, not scientists. He doesn't give it from a scientific standpoint. But we are to look up and we are to worship God. He is the one to be worshipped. And his focus is now upon the universe, not on this little ball here. And now I just want us to think through this a little bit. The fastest thing that we can calculate is light, okay? Light, 186,000 miles a second, okay? Eh, pretty fast, right? Now, if we are calculating the edge of the universe, you would have to hop on a, a ray of light and take that, and we calculate it in light years, Okay, going 186,000 miles a second for a year. Now, how far is that? It's beyond my calculation, right? I, I don't even know. But if we did that, we would, it would take us still billions of years to reach the vastness of the deep space is what they would call it. Billions of years. Amazing. Amazing. Pretty big. Pretty big. And folks, we haven't even discovered the whole universe yet. Uh, the furthest star, we don't even know how far that is away. Now, I think Moses, not Moses, but David grasped this concept when he, uh, when he began to, to look up. And I, I just see him as a shepherd boy looking up into the heavens. And here's what he says in Psalm chapter 8, verse 3. When I consider the heavens, <laughs> the work of your fingers, just little finger job there. The moon and the stars which you have ordained. What is man that you take thought of him? Or the son of man that you care for him? Folks, when we look at the vastness of the, of the universe, we are a speck of dust. We are nothing. And we should say with David, how humbling that is. We should say with David, why would you even pay attention to us? Why? Why do that? It's humbling. It, it makes me think of... It, it promotes worship, doesn't it? It makes me think of 
the little kid song. My God is so what? Big. So strong. And so mighty. There's nothing my God cannot do. Folks, that's good theology. That's good theology. So, a unique perspective there. God has now turned his attention on the vastness of the universe. And he says, I want some lights out there. And and then here's another unique thing. And he, he starts telling us why he wants this. What's the purpose of this? And he gives an explanation. To this point, there's not been a whole lot of explanation of things, but he gives us a, the unique, um, a unique uh, explanation here. So, and we see it in the middle of verse 14. Then God said, let there be lights in the expanse of the heavens to, and this is purpose, to separate the day from the night. The day from the night um, to separate. Okay, now he already separated the, the the light from the day, from the light from the darkness. First day that globe was spinning, light was coming from one direction, but that light was not coming from a particular source. It was coming from God Himself, probably the glory of God was providing that light. And he does something here that's, like I said, is a little unique. Is that he creates. Um, he creates a source for something that already exists. <laughs> okay? Light already existed. It just needed a source. Now, he's the source at this point, And that earth is spinning and creating a day. We can see that. But he wants a more, a, a different source. It, it's kind of like we have electricity in our house, but we want to hook it up to the generator. And that's what he, he does. And so he establishes this sun and moon. And we see this in verse 16. He says, God made the two great lights. So this is what he actually did. And he put, he put two great lights in the, in, the, um, in, in the space. Right where they needed to be. So they shine on the earth at the right direction. From the right perspective. And, and he made this. He made this. And he says to govern. Two great lights, one to govern the uh, day and the lesser to govern the night. Guys, I'm so glad that he did that. I I am. Um, Because I need sleep sometimes. (laughs) We have to have sleep. Now, you know, I think think man would probably design it. We would just be working all the time. Why sleep? God says, no, you, you need sleep and so he just turns out the light he just turns out the light so so you he wanted to keep the, a separation a, a day a 24 hour day period two blocks of uh, of time if you will one dark and one light and he sets things in motion he orders his universe to do that and folks that's been going on for 6000 years at least and he's pretty good at it I can't seem to get the lights off in my house. You know, I go around and turn them on or turn them off before I go to bed. I wake up in the middle of the night, all of them are back on. I don't know how it happens. That's what happens. 6,000 years, God's been, that, that sun has been coming up the right time. That moon has been governing just the right way. God is faithful. God is an orderly God. We see that. Number two, he says, okay, so the, the first reason is to separate. I want that clear day, um, night 
uh, distinction there. Number two, another reason, he says, and for signs, for signs. All of those, that vastness, you see it on the screen, the vastness of space and, and all those little specks of, of light, they are a sign. And what does a sign do? A sign points to something, gives you direction for something. And it, all that sign it points to God. It says, look at God. Look at my Creator. It's a sign. But also, I think it's probably being used here as a, as a navigational tool. I'm always amazed at those captains of sea, uh, ships that are out. And especially in the old days, they didn't have the modern equipment. But they can navigate by the stars. I, I don't know how they do it. It's amazing. Navigation. The wise men did it, didn't they? They, they, they saw the, the great lie. They said, no, we, we've seen this. We've been following this lie. The, the wise men did it. You can tell, they say you can tell some of the weather, the equinox uh, uh, changing and, and things. We, we also see in Job and Matthew that it points to, it's a sign for judgment, folks. There's going to be some day that, that those stars are going to hit the earth. <laughs> Someday, every night's going to stop and, and day's going to stop. All of that's just going to halt. And so it points to judgment. So it's a sign. Number three, another thing that uh, we see is that this is for signs and seasons. And for seasons. God creates four seasons. Okay? As the, as the earth rotates around the sun... We're further distance from the sun or, or turned a certain way from the sun. And it creates seasons. And there's four. And it's been that way for how long? In my lifetime. That's a foolish thing to think about. It's always been four seasons. And God says, you know what? There's always going to be four seasons. Until he shuts it down. Fall, winter, spring, summer. And God established that. Now, what happens is we get so caught up in a daily life that sometimes we forget, oh, winter's coming. You better be preparing for winter. So there's always this, there's always something. And boy, I tell you, I wasn't prepared. I woke up today and it's 12 degrees. I don't know what it was. It's cold. Cold. I didn't see that coming. It's cold. But we have to, but there's a, a little bit of warning. There's fall here. We begin to sense that. So we get our old, our, our, our uh, winter clothes out and, and just prepare for that. We, we know it's coming. That's just the way and God, God designed it that way. Purposeful, intentional, deliberate, order in His universe. How long has that been going on? A long time. And He says the fourth thing. I'm going to put these two together. For days and nights. I'm sorry, for days and years. The end of verse 14. Days and nights. He created that day. He says those, those stars, the, the things that are going to govern, the, the sun, moon, the stars, the heavenly host we might call it, they're going to govern and they're going to create a day and years. God established the year. He put that in place. He says, no, it's going to take one rotation is a day, but it's going to, as it goes around the sun, as it rotates 365 times, it's going to create a year. Therefore, we can celebrate our birthdays. A life. A lifetime of, of birthdays sometimes. And again... You think of Adam having 900 birthdays. Wow. 
I, I think, again, years, rotation. I, I think that there's, there's routine in there, built-in routine. That I, I think we see day-to-day faithfulness that God expects. But I also think we have to keep our eye on a yearly perspective. Further out than, than just a day today. We, we get a little myopic. We just say, oh, no, just, and we become just pragmatic. Oh, it's about today. And we have to think a little bit further out. And then he says, for, for light. And he says in verse 15, the fifth reason he creates, I'm going to create all this for, for light. Just for light to shine on the earth. To, uh, in the expanse, to give light to the earth. That's literally what it says. And it, then it says, and it was so. That's exactly what God said he's going to do, and it was so. This is, this is what happened. <clears throat> the, uh, we see God's design in the sun and the moon and the stars. We, we see him creating this light, this heavenly host. Um, And this light is shining toward the earth. That's its purpose, to shine toward the earth. Again, I just want us to to think about this. Because we have a world that's just kind of obsessed by the creation. We have a world that's kind of obsessed by seeing all the distant planets. By space travel. And we want to go out there. That's where all the excitement is. And let me just tell you. That the stars, they don't really see it that way. Um, they're, they're just a nightlight. You know, nobody goes into a home, wow, that's a beautiful nightlight. You know, that's, just, that's a little, you know, doesn't make sense. Those are just nightlights. The stars would say to us, they would point to God and say, look, the earth is where it's happening. That's where the redemption of man is. That's where you really see the character of God on display is the redemption of man. And we're just lights out here. But, but the earth is where the real action is. That's where Christ came to die. That's where God's attributes are just clearly on display. His grace. His mercy, His love and kindness, His His sovereign control over what goes on on this little tiny globe. And we're looking out there. The world is looking out there in outer space and saying, well, that's where it is. Folks, they're dangerously close, dangerously close to worshiping the creation rather than the Creator. And we have to be careful that we're not sucked into that. There's nothing wrong with space Exploration. I love that. It's amazing to see all the pictures. It's incredible. God's perfect design is right here. Sun, moon, and stars. And He's programmed into those sun, moon, and stars, this heavenly host, uh, just exactly what He wants. He's, he's programmed that thermostat, that, that night light to, to just come on at the right time. I say thermostats because these two... Uh, thermostats that are on the wall we just got new ones this this past week and it's pretty neat you can program them they're kind of it's you know just pretty cool so you don't have to pay attention to them all the time they'll just keep us warm or cool to the proper temperature and things god designed somebody to turn off the light to turn on the light just at the right time 
It's been happening for 6,000 years. And God's design is, is perfect. Why, why write this down? Because when Israel was reading this, they were being informed that it was God who established these things. It was God who's, he's the one that reigns over the heavenly hosts, as opposed to the Asheroth of the, of the Egyptian gods. Those Egyptian, the female Egyptian god, the, the goddess of the heavens, they were worshiping. And Israel needed to know, no, their God is the one who is superb over and supreme over those other gods. He created them. He governs them. He brings order to them. And here's why He did it, to bring order even down to our daily life. We see God at work. We see God's creation. We see God's glory. God dominates. He dominates here, folks. Now, I, I want to try to apply this just real quick. Because, um, like I said, we, we get so myopic. We, we look at the day-to-day. We just become pragmatists. We, we become um, experientialism. Is, it just reigns. As opposed to... Sometimes we can, we can keep our eye on the goal and we shortcut faithfulness. But if we just do faithfulness, we, we sometimes will miss the goal. You have to have both. You have to have the day-to-day faithfulness that God demands. But you have to have the right direction, don't you? You have to have both. And, and that's what I think we see here in Scripture. There's four verses that I... Oh, man, I don't know if I put those on the slide or not. In uh, Psalm chapter 89, uh, we won't... Yeah, there it is on the screen. Just kind of sum up that verse. That, that Folks, we live in a short... We, we live a short lifetime compared to, you know, 6,000 years of history. We just live in a short period of, of time. And I do want to read the, the next couple of verses in Ephesians chapter 5. And, and this is the way Scripture applies this concept of time in bringing order to our lives. Ephesians chapter 5 and verse 16, here's what Paul says. Making the most of your time because the days are evil. We have to think. We can't just live just day to day. Pragmatism, experientialism. Now we've got to think, how am I living in light of eternity? How am I living because the days are, are short? We have to be wise, he says. It goes on to say, so then do not be foolish in your understanding, what, but, but understand what the will of the Lord is. We've got to be going in the right direction. In Colossians chapter 4, verse 5, another passage that's just so good. He says, conduct yourself with wisdom. And that's the key, I think. It's, it's wisdom, God's wisdom. Lord, how do you want me to spend the, the moments of my time, the days of my life, the, the, the years that you have given me. Conduct yourself with wisdom toward outsiders, making the most of the opportunities that you have. Wisdom. And I think First Peter chapter 17 sums it up. And, and First Peter, or Peter says it like this. He says, if you address as father the one who impartially judges according to each one's work, conduct yourself in fear during the time of your stay on earth. Conduct your time as in fear. In fear. In fear of 
in reverence of God and His Word and what He demands on us for on a daily basis and also a, a direction of our life, the yearly basis. And we bring then order to our life. And that, I think that's why all of these verses pull together. We, we build order into our lives. We have to, we have to stop sinning and letting sin influence and letting Satan influence us and we build our lives upon the solid rock of the word of God the principles found in the word of God and that's just living a wise life that's what that's what we see that's the application of scripture when it comes to time that's what we see we're to use this time on this earth wisely wisely now let me give you one one last thing and this is this is interesting because it creates a, a unique a unique um problem here. We've got a problem. And maybe you caught it. Um, uh, Unique situation. I want us to think about this a little bit. Because, like I said, we measure light in light years. Um, There's a consistency in light travel, 186,000 miles a second. That's been tested. They've proven that. Um, And like I said, it's it's a long way away from both ends of the universe. Um, But that causes a problem. If God created that star at the far end of the universe, we don't know where that is, but he created this star. And it takes billions and billions of light years to get here. How can we look up and see it if the world is, if the earth is only 6,000 years old or 10,000 years old. How can we see that? And that's what the evolution, they'll just throw throw that up at us. Uh, They'll they'll say, so how do you get starlight billions of light years away in a young earth and, and do it immediately? And I'm telling you, that can shake your faith. If you're just basing things on logic, that could shake you up. Um, that's kind of where the rubber meets the road. And, and that's where Satan just slips in and say, see, the word of God, it, you can't trust it. You can't trust it. Now, there's Christian researchers that have and scientists that have applied themselves to these these things. And it, it really is neat. There's a, a four volume set. The answers uh, books, uh, answers in Genesis has them and they will answer every possible question that you could think of. And, and they do it from a scientific standpoint. Wonderful books, but this is kind of a summary of what they say concerning this. There's a, they reject a couple of statements right off that uh, some would say, Christians would say, well, our calculations, the way we calculate time and uh, time or, or light travel is inaccurate. And we would say, no, it's pretty accurate. We can count that. We can, we can rely on that. And then some of them would say, well, the distance are, those stars are a lot closer then they really appear. I mean, they're saying billions, but they're probably closer. Well, I don't know that most of those theories have been rejected. Here's, let me give you five quick theories. You can see them on the screen. Number one, the light in transit theory. And this is it. This is God created the universe mature. Now, we've been saying this all along. God created the universe mature. It's fully functional. And light then, when God spoke it, light was already in transit and Adam would be able to look up and see the light. 
Even though it took billions of years, it might have taken billions of years to get there, God designed it that way. Pretty good answer. Number two, um, you have the, the speed of light uh, decreasing. Uh, in the creation order, the early uh, of times of creation, light was much faster, and so it, was, uh, it would come in faster in the earlier days of creation. And it's just slowed down to where we have it today in a fixed form. I'm not so sure that that would be a good explanation. Let me give you another one. This is relativistic model, and this is based upon Einstein's theories of uh, relativity. And uh, Dr. Russell Humphreys, great, field, uh, great guy, uh, he came up with a, a white hole theory. You, you know, a black hole is uh, that sucks everything into it, and light doesn't even escape. But white hole, on the other end. He would say that the, the cosmos is, is almost is acting like a white hole and it draws things through it and it speeds things up as it comes through it. And so that's, that's exactly why we can see then light billions of years uh, in the distance. Um, that, has, that has been rejected by most of the scientists as, as well, Christian scientists. There's a, another alternative here, and this is an alternate synchre, uh, synchrony um, convention. And this is ASC. And this is a, a, another brilliant young man, J, uh, Jason Lyle, and uh, he, he has written many of the answers that is in these answer books. And he's keying off those two phrases that it says in verse 15 and verse 17 that that light was created for the direction of the earth, to, to provide light for the earth. And, and so he says, based upon that and based upon Einstein's theory, that we, we really, we really uh, struggle or, or, or our understanding of uh, speed of light is, is, um, is simplistic. Einstein says, or, or the, the speed of light is, is, is this. He says there's distance equals speed plus, or speed times time. Okay? So you have the distance, you have the speed, and you have time there. And the thing is, is Einstein says, now out there, we don't know how to calculate time. We can calculate time here, but man, out there it's, it's probably, probably different. And he, then this, uh, Jason, he comes along and he says, well, here's the idea. The idea is that this, as you approach light, let's say you can approach light. Now, this is hypothetical. You approach light, you're ready to jump on that light beam, and you're going to travel. As you approach light, time then goes to zero. Now, how they calculate that? Who, who even comes up with these things? I don't know. But it comes, goes to zero. It sounds plausible. So you can get on, you would be able to get on a flight at one o'clock in, from New York and then land at one o'clock in Los Angeles. Now we can kind of do that. Almost. But fly, but, uh, but light then becomes, goes to zero. And so that means that soon as God said it, soon as that light lit up, there would be, it would go to the earth exactly when God would want it to go. Because of time. Not so much the particles of light, but because of, of time. Now, that's a pretty good theory. I kind of like that theory. It's, it sounds very smart, doesn't it? Let me give you one more. The Dasha theory. The Dasha uh, 
solution. And this is just uh, based upon the one word in verse 11 where it says, and I kind of like this one too, but it says um, where uh, God says, let the earth sprout vegetation. Now, can you imagine here the, the, the earth sprouting an oak tree? How long is that going to take? Well, instantaneously, right? It would be kind of like uh, having a... Uh, a time-lapse camera on, on the growth of a pumpkin, as you saw in West Virginia. A large pumpkin, almost 2,000 pounds. But can you imagine putting a time-lapse and you see that pumpkin grow? It takes a long time, but, but it's actually accelerated growth. And that's the idea here. There's accelerated growth because God says, let it sprout. Let it sprout. I would love to have seen that. I'd love to have seen the, 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 the trees just sprout up in, in that within that short period of time there would be sprouting and so he would say well light is is acting in the same way it's just it's just accelerated now all of those sound good you know all of those sound plausible they could they, well, yeah that, that it kind of makes sense how did god do it i don't know <laughs> i don't know God can do whatever He wants to do. The thing is, is I'm not going to lose sleep over who is right here. But let me tell you, let me read this little paragraph. This is at the end of this little section that I was reading in this answers book. He, he, he says this. As we consider the light travel time problem, we frequently overlook the immensity of the creation itself. The sudden appearance of space and time and matter and energy is remarkable and truly miraculous event. This is something that we humans cannot comprehend at all. We like to pretend that we can comprehend some of these things. We can't comprehend these things. He goes on to say, compared to creation, the light time travel um, problem is not very big at all. Folks, it really comes down to just faith. Can God do it? Yep. Did he do it? Yep. I don't need to know. That was a special time. It was a special week. We don't reproduce it. We can't, we can't uh, uh, retest that as scientists. God just did it. But that's what makes him God. And we just stand back in awe of what he does. It's a matter of faith. You know what? We, we don't question the resurrection of Jesus Christ. We don't question the virgin birth. We accept that on faith. We can't explain that. And here we are being forced, many times being forced by the world to try to explain silly stuff. And we could just say, God did it. God created it. Now, let's just apply this and we'll, we'll close. Our lives are, are not to be wasted, folks. God created our lives to be used. There, there is order in His creation. There's time for us to act. And we're to live in an orderly fashion. Our goal is to glorify God. That's no shallow goal. It is a whole life goal. It's a daily thing and a directional thing. The foundation of that is the truth of the Word of God. The bottom line is, there's no double life. You can't live one way at church and another way at home. Those things are merged together. 
We, we live a, a life of order for the glory of God. And we do that to, the, to honor Him. Not, not to gain favor with Him, but just to honor Him. And it's a matter of faith from our perspective. We, we trust what Moses gave us here. And God, we see, is a God of order. And He's given us the tools to which to order our life as well. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Father, we thank you for our time. Lord, our, these lofty thoughts are way beyond my comprehension, let alone ability to communicate. But Lord, that's the way you are. You are, you are beyond us. And Lord, we are so glad for that. You are a God beyond our comprehension. But Lord, we, we can see, we, we, we see your glory, we see your these attributes here clearly in Scripture when we just look at them. And, and Lord, may they truly lead us to worship you. Worship you, the true and living God, the all-powerful God, the good God, and the God of order and decency. And we pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.